The following is a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of 1500 ESPN. The following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. What an, an absolutely gorgeous day it's going to be, huh? Where are you? What window are you looking out? <laughs> or what are you? What are you drinking? I'm telling you, driving in here this morning was like taking your life in your own hands. Uh, you know, the the people who you got you got one group of people who drive 30 miles an hour and and create accidents. They got the other group of people who are bound to have accidents driving 80 miles an hour as though there's no ice on the road whatsoever. And uh, by the way, three of those in the ditch on the way in here. Uh, one, one lady passed me at 80 miles an hour and it wasn't more than a mile up the road and she was in the ditch with another car that apparently she might have put in the ditch. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't surprising to see her there. So, hey, folks, slow down. And uh, since we're only uh, proposed to get nine inches of snow here in the Twin City area. By the way, it's very hard for you to tell anybody to slow down. I just understand. I want people to understand how hard that is for you to say that. <laughs> That's right. When your daily driver has 700 horsepower, you're, you're hard-pressed to slow down. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is uh, a, a time when you make exceptions for that. And this is, it really is kind of treacherous, folks. So, anyway... I want to roll into the show uh, without any delay. This is one I've been waiting for for a long time. You folks all know that that as a financial strategist and the knower of all things financial, I am a huge advocate of real estate and real estate investing, and moreover, doing it properly, understanding the formulas, and knowing all the components uh, to do it right and do it profitably. But nevertheless, it is a wonderful opportunity. I have on the show today a gentleman who is one of the Rich Dad Advisors. Now, you folks all know I've had, I think, pretty much just about all the Rich Dad Advisors on, including Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, and you know all the all the other folks, Garrett Sutton and and Tom Wheelwright, and all those guys who are just fantastic. But this is the guy I've really been kind of kind of pursuing, uh, Ken, because he is a guy who who built a a real estate company from the ground up, started right out of college, uh, went into property management. You remember me telling the story about my son who said, "Who would ever want to do that job?" And I said, "Yes." If you look at it as a lifelong job, however, if you look at it as insight to be able to buy properties with that key insight, then it's a totally different proposition. And this is a guy who's taken it to the max as it relates to that. Uh, he owns and manages more than 10,000 doors, I believe. Uh, and we'll have to ask him that uh, directly. But uh, has several companies that all pretty much revolve around real estate, or at least the training of how to buy real estate and and actually to manage his own properties. And so he is a guy that that I just 
have been salivating over. And if you ever want to talk to somebody who did it from square one and create a, a massive company, a real estate investment company, this is the guy. So, Ken, are you with us? I am. Hey, Todd, how are you? I am. I am here. I am great. And I am, again, really, really happy to have you on. So, you know, there's, you know, there are certain directions I'd like to go here, but one of those was, it would just be to have you just briefly tell your story about how you got started in real estate, if you would, Ken. Well, gosh, I don't know that it's ever uh, strategic, but, uh, you know, you're correct. I started in property management, you know, I was in college and I, uh, a friend asked if I would manage a 60 unit apartment building which was in Seattle, uh, while I was in college as a senior. And, and uh, you know, I'm like, hey, it's free rent. How hard can it be? Well, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, did I learn a lot there, you know, collecting rents and doing maintenance and, and uh, all the things. And, and honestly, that was the first time I had taken anything that I had learned at all from school and got to apply a little bit of it. But really, it was a school of hard knocks. And then I got my real estate license. I worked with that company for eight or nine years and uh, learned how to manage and, um, uh, you know, big, big apartment projects up and down the West Coast. And uh, I never looked back. I started buying them. And, um, boy, that was also a learning uh, experience. And and now, like you said, we've got uh, 300 employees, about 10,000 apartments. We've got some self-storage and some office, too. And, uh, you know, I just shake my head sometimes. It's, uh, I'm, I'm so happy. It's, it's the greatest business on the planet. Oh, fantastic. Well, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's when you say the greatest business, we, we work with a lot of our clients and analyze businesses and help them run them and sell them more efficiently. The thing I think that is most interesting is the tax advantage status that real estate has always held and probably always will. And I think it's just lost on most people how incredible real estate is as as an investment for all those purposes, debt, of course, included. But just to, to be able to manage uh, manage your, your investment portfolio, if it happens to be real estate and all of the tax advantages that one has when you when you when your investments or at least a portion of them are real estate. Right. It's insane. I, I you know, it's not why I got into it, but. Certainly, it's a huge benefit, if not the benefit, actually. I I have, you know, we have almost a billion dollars worth of real estate, and I can tell you in the last 10 years, I've paid very, very little tax. We have bought properties. We started buying properties years ago, but, you know, just in the last few years, we've refinanced maybe $100 million worth of uh, debt. And, of course, you don't pay tax on that, so you take the money out, you distribute it to all these investors and yourself. You don't pay tax because it's you don't pay tax on debt. You actually owe it back, so it's not profit. And you know when you start to figure that out, you just you just cannot believe the amount of wealth uh, you know that people are generating and getting from owning and managing property. Well, you bring up an incredible point because you know, like like every like everything else, you've got the naysayers who who will who would say to you, 
why in the world would I ever want to pay interest on my own money or my own property and what have you? So let me just ask you quickly. You say you pulled out about $100 million out of your properties through through refinance cash out refis. What was the interest rate? What was the debt service on that $100 million approximately? Well, I can tell you exactly. We're, you know, our average interest rate is 4.13% on fixed on the entire portfolio. Okay, so listen, folks. Is there a tax bracket that exists that is 4.1%? <laughs> so comparing your debt service of 4.1 on the money as compared with taking it and paying taxes on it, wow, is that a tough decision? I, I don't think it is, is it? No. And here's the interesting thing. Um, not only are we that low, because it's incredibly low, they're assumable, which means that if we decide to sell, that people can actually step into that position even as rates go up. And that's worth something. And I, you know, in addition to that, we also got what's called interest only loans on a lot of them, which means that we're not even paying principal. So it's, you know, it's crazy the amount of money right now looking for a home. That's including banks. There's so much money in the system. It needs to be placed. That is the point of the system. And, and, the, and, the, and the interest only loans are because you are predominantly focused on cash flow, which obviously this increases cash flow. You're just simply servicing debt. And uh, if the property appreciates, then you still you still realize that same benefit. But nevertheless, cash flow is the primary interest when you're investing in the way that you do. Correct. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. As, as you know, you know, people don't realize. You know, these millions and millions of people that, you know, get their paychecks and they go stick it in the bank and they save, that creates a huge liability for the bank, if you think about it. Because that bank now owes you money. They owe you interest on your money, even though they're paying hardly anything. And so all, that bank has to lend it in the form of debt. And that debt gets placed in, in cash-flowing properties, like you mentioned, because the bank needs to put it to use so they can pay the people actually putting it in the bank that are saving. So Ken brings up a really interesting point, folks, and you know that I, I can never walk by something with the fear that you might not fully appreciate what he's just said. The point that he's making is when you are an investor or even when you are a bank, your goal is not to have your money sitting idle. Your goal is to deploy that money into investments that are returning for you. And when that money sits idle, that's problematic. So you are constantly in the business of trying to find places to put that money to create return on investment, which is to say, as Ken's just explained, the, the banks are always looking for profitable places to take that money and make money with it. That's the whole concept of arbitrage, right? It's exactly right. It's, the, the system is set up to take people's money and to lend it into properties and the businesses and things that make money. That's how it works. Absolutely. So I got to bring you back to the property management thing because I think it's so valuable. Um, the, the property management piece is we like to say that it's it's hard to overcome a bad buy with good management, but you can enhance a good buy with good management. But but the management that said cannot be overlooked. It's so powerful. And Ken, one of the things that we teach our clients, which I have not seen in your books, but I have no doubt you're certainly well versed on it. 
when we vet properties, and we've uh, my uh, we vet properties sometimes that are in the hundreds of millions of dollars, the types of properties that you buy. One of the first things we we concern ourselves with that we that, that not everybody does are the main fixtures within every property that have a life cycle and where those those particular items are, the roof, the, the HVAC, all of the main fixtures that will have to be replaced, the reasonable life cycle, where they are in that life cycle, apply inflation to the cost today. Let's say we have something that's 15-year life cycle. We're eight years into it. We've got seven years, and reasonably, we're probably going to have to replace it. We look at today's cost, build inflation in, and then look at that and understand that unless we're going to do a cash-out refi, we're going to have that cost in the future, and that long-term capital cost may actually uh, take a portion of the cash flow, and we allocate it at least so a person knows what, what they're coming up on. As a property manager, you have seen this happen vividly, where these major fixtures have to be replaced when you're managing a property for someone, and the struggle that they go through to try to come up with the money and what they have to go through to get the money to fix these major issues, right? That's exactly right. That's very wise, Todd. Yes, yes. So uh, we call that a replacement reserve, and that's exactly what we do. We we, we take uh, we say okay, though the roof the roof's a hundred thousand, and it's got ten years left. Therefore, you put ten thousand away, and uh, you know it's that simple. And, and we do that on all of our projects because we want the money there. And the reason we do that, Todd, is because. Our properties are long-term holds, so as you know, we're not trying to time the market and flip. So, you know, these are properties that we want to own for 10, 15 years, and so those things that you mentioned, they do come up. I mean, you do have to put new parking lots, and you do have to put new roofs on, and, and you do have things come up, and then you have the things that you that you don't think about. Like, we have a huge plumbing leak under the ground in the middle of the parking lot or in, in you, you know, or we have slab leaks or we have, uh, you know, a boiler and, and uh, you know, hot water heater and tank uh, replacements and things like that. And that, those could be very, very expensive. Those are the things but kind of behind the scenes that the residents don't ever see. And those can be, as you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and you know it's and and folks, it's all relative because if it's your little single family home, whether it's a hundred million or a hundred thousand, it's all just zeros at the end of the day. But the formulas are the same. And Ken, I would put forth that that is the number one reason why inexperienced, unsophisticated real estate investors fail because they don't take that into account. They think if their if their payment to the bank is 1200 bucks a month and they're bringing in $1500 a month in market rents, well then they're cash flowing $300 per month, but in fact, those they take that money, they use it to live on, spend it in their daily lives, and then when it's 8 or 10 grand to fix the roof, the only thing they can do is refinance, which may be a terrible situation if they have to take on a much higher interest rate because they didn't calculate this, or God forbid, that's the reason that they lose the property in the as a result. You're exactly right, and I'll tell you a story just on a on a smaller level, you know, because because uh, I've done condominium conversions and and condo deals, and, and I actually have a property that was uh, cash flowing about three hundred dollars a month. Um, because I have, I think I have about 25 small properties and we had a, uh, shower, uh, you know, leak basically. And, and so we had to rip the entire thing out. It cost me four grand. And this just happened actually, actually I haven't even paid the bill yet. And so I got a bid and all that stuff. 
Well, I can tell you, my four grand is more than my three hundred dollars a month. So, <laughs> in, you know, in this year, you know, on that one that, that one property, just from the shower issue, from rebuilding it, repiling it, and putting all the green board in, all that stuff, it's got, you know, my capital costs are going to be more than my cash flow, and that's the greatest example on a small level. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, folks, it is about it is about the formulas. And although you may not you may not want to manage your properties long term, you know, if you're if you're engaged in a in in a profession or an academic pursuit or what have you, maybe real estate's going to be your side gig, unlike uh, unlike Ken has made it his his life's work. But the reality is that managing a property, at least in the beginning, so you have a semblance of understanding of what goes on to this, even if you're directing other people to do the work, is invaluable in your real estate investing career, I feel. Without a doubt. I, I will tell you, I, well, I, first of all, I think everybody should start small. It's, it's, it's hard to just make that jump and put your team together and, and go out and find the money because I you don't need money to, to buy real estate. You just need to be, you just need a plan. And, you know, uh, Kiyosaki and I we, we laugh. He actually just texted me this yesterday because he's on a cruise. He's down in Puerto Rico. We have this joke. Uh, we, he said we say the uh, the bigger the brochure, the worse the deal. And he was he was down there looking at this, you know uh, you know this real estate development. You know you know what happened to Puerto Rico. So. So uh, somebody's down there, of course, put together a big flyer and, and uh, you know, the big brochure and all that, and they're selling these uh, projects. And, and uh, you know, it's the truth. Real estate is a simple, dumb business. You know, it's you buy it for X, it, you rent it for more than the mortgage and all the expenses, and it cash flows or it doesn't. Absolutely. And and therein lies the bottom line. It's a good deal or, or it's not. And that is the distinguishing point. It cash flows or it doesn't. I mean, yep. what what could be? So, you know, uh, I want to take you to the, the point that you that you made or at least bring you back to this, because I think this is such an important point, which is the question. How does one go from simply purchasing single family homes, duplexes and the like to where you own uh, to where you're 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 competing for and attempting to secure financing and bringing in investors in properties that are 100 and 200 plus units? Because your first major project was 180 units, wasn't it? Yeah, 182 units. All right, so, so tell me, so tell me before you before you purchased that 182 unit property, what was the biggest property? What, how many units was the largest property that you owned prior to that? Well, I owned a bunch of small stuff like fourplexes, <laughs> units, and stuff like that. So you know, I made the jump. I made the big jump. <laughs> how do you go from a fourplex to 182 units? Listen, we're gonna take a break here. And we're going to come back because I think this is the most interesting point. And and realistically, folks, remember, residential investments, they're, they're, they're wonderful. But you start small and then you want to evolve to the next level. And the next level is, in, in, in all fairness, the fast track. It's what you want to do if you, if, you, if you ever make that evolution. But making that evolution is something that most people, real estate investors, will never do. And we're about to hear somebody who's done it talk about it. So let's take our break and we'll be right back with Ken McElroy. 
Great Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman. You need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Accounting and bookkeeping services are no longer just about record keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arliss Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763-786-4600. For a free consultation. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877 SMA Today. Or go online to SMA the number two DAY.com. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, Dean and Lou, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation, or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filing, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. All right. 
So we have Ken McElroy. I want to refer you to his website because I want you to be able to take advantage of some of these industry uh, pieces that he's done that are so valuable, these nuggets that you can get a hold of. Go to KenMcElroy.com. That is uh Obviously, Ken's pretty easy. M C E L R O Y dot com or M C Companies dot com. Uh, Ken was the author of ABCs of Real Estate Investing, but some of the pieces that I find that that you're really looking for as an investor is the secrets of finding hidden profits most investors miss. Boy, there's that's interesting. The ABCs of Property Management: What You Need to Know to Maximize Profits. And the Advanced Guide to Real Estate Investing, How to Identify the Best Markets to Invest in. Fabulous stuff. So, Ken, you know, I'm a financial guy, and I pursued a profession in the world of uh, the financial world, and I almost feel like it's been a detriment to my real estate investing career because I came at it with in that way. And, and in hindsight, when I talk to guys like you, I really wish I would have just accepted the fact that I want to be a, a real estate investor. And you, you talk about the fact that real estate is not a hobby. Real estate, even as an investor, is a business, and you have to approach it as such. And too many people like me uh, just want to have a little hobby and and not engage. And I I I I love the, the the points that you make and the key insights that one must have. And you're kind of an animal of the you know of the real estate investment you know knowledge. I heard I, I I've listened to you talk about how you devour ongoing information, how valuable that is. So let's go back to this point. You're you're going from a, from fourplex to 182 units. How did that come about? Yeah, well, thanks, Todd. I I, t- I will tell you, you know, and I heard you mention this in the beginning about your son and property management. What gave me the courage was that I saw the deal. In other words, you, you know, when the deal, you know, I, I as and when you're in the property management world, I always this is what I say to people. I say, you know, you, you when you take over a property from somebody, if if you don't improve it, you know, and it gets worse, they fire you. If if you don't improve it and it stays the same, they fire you. If you improve it, uh, they sell it and they fire you. So, you know, you, you have this uh, interesting, you know, cycle in property management. And so so when I saw this deal, Todd, I knew that I could increase the value of it because of the financials. In other words, I was looking at the numbers, no different than any property manager could do across this country. And so that actually gives you the power to be able to bring the deal to other people and have them look at it and invest in it. And so so people always think that, you know, real estate, buying real estate and doing big deals and stuff is all sales. And, and I, I would say that a very, very small piece is it's really does the deal work or not and, and what's in it for the investor. And if you look at it from the other person's perspective, then the money actually pours to you. You'll find, and I'm sure you have experienced this, there's more money than there are deals once you start to get on this kind of momentum. And and so I didn't know how to buy a deal, so what I did is I found somebody that had done it before, and I said, hey, I found this deal. Would you bring me, would you help me walk through this? I'll give you a piece of it. And we did it together. And I, of course, like like everything I've done, found somebody uh, that became a coach, a mentor, and, and kind of walked me through the process. That wasn't Leonard, was it? Leonard Litwin. Well, he was the seller, but he was certainly one of my mentors for sure. 
Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I, I think it is, I think what, you, what you've just said here, and I'm going to try to summarize it for the folks listening, is that because you were in property management, you weren't selling the deal to investors or to banks because the bottom line was you knew your numbers backwards and forwards. You knew where you could add value, and it really wasn't a matter of sales. It was a matter of just showing transparent numbers that people could understand, and it became an obvious good investment, and that's how you acquired investments and got banks to ride along with you. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right, Todd. I will tell you, that's how I built my entire business. If people want, if people want to just take away one piece of information today, what I, what I did is I said, hey, I, I looked at a property in, let's say, Dallas, and, and the rents were 800 and if I spend $5,000 on every single one inside, I can rent them for, say, 1000 So on every, every property... Uh, I could rent them for 200 more per month. That's what we call value add. You can do it by taking properties that had washer and dryer hookups and putting washer and dryers in the units and, you know, charging 50 to $75 more per month. So there's all kinds of ways. When you take a look at a property, there's all kinds of ways to increase the value. And the property that we're talking about that you asked me about, one of them, it was a senior property was there was no rent differentiation between the upstairs and the downstairs. Really, it was quite that simple. And while, while you think that's so insignificant, this was a senior property. So all the downstairs were full. The upstairs were vacant. Not all of them were vacant, but a lot of them. And so what we did was we made the downstairs more. We made them $75 more. And so $75 times 91 units is whatever it is. And that is what we call creating value and right there, just that little, little thing created millions of dollars in value. And guys, the, the, the point that he brings up, if you understand formulas and the way that we talk about these things, uh, know that that your your capitalization rates are the things that are going to determine the value for most investors. And when you increase the rents, even slightly, it has a dramatic impact on your cap rates. And so that little value add, Ken, which, of course, I know you're always looking for value. That's the opportunity that, that you're looking for in a property. You want, you, don't, you want to exploit the opportunities so that when you sell it, it's going to reap top top market price, but you're looking for the properties where you can add value and do that and then increase the 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 NOI and, and consequently now you can can cash out refi pay off your investors and now you're able to of course have a have a, a property that's cash flowing and making you money. So those opportunities can are what you're always looking for, right? That's right, Todd. And and as a matter of fact, I'll take it the next step. Not only am I looking for that personally but that's what everyone else is looking for that wants to give me money. So that's what the bank looks for. That's what the investor looks for. You, you know, everybody wants the deal to be successful. So if you can see it before you buy it and say, you know, I think I can increase the cash flow and the profit and the value of this particular property, then everyone, is, if you can explain that, money will come to you. But if you can't, if you just try to time the market and say, you, you know, uh, I'm just going to buy this and hope it goes up, that's gambling. And that's you're not going to build a team or, um, you know, you're not going to attract the money that you want for those kinds of things. So when, so when you bought this 182-unit property, you were managing it. 
But you yeah. now are in the. You are now having to go to banks, and I and I'm I'm assuming that you certainly didn't have the money on your own to stroke the check and put the down payment on it. So you're having to go to investors. You're having to go to banks, and and the reality is you didn't have the money to do this personally, did you? Oh gosh, no, no, no. I you know. My parents never went to college. You know, I didn't learn anything about this. Uh, and But uh, why quickly, because of the partner I brought in, was exposed to some of his network, some of his team members. And so the, actually, believe it or not, the bank piece was, the, was, was for me, uh, one of the easier pieces because, you know, once you have the property in escrow, I think, I think it was about seven million, uh, could have been nine million. I, I'm going off of memory. Uh, we, we put that, it seems like nothing at the time, you know, but we, we bought it so long ago. By the way, that property is worth like 25 million today. We still own it. And, and so when you bring that to the bank, the bank looks at the numbers just like you would, or just like an investor. So the bank's going, you know what? Yeah, we, we can give you 75% loan on, on this. And that equates to X. And then from there, the only difference you have to get is the down payment plus the capital. And that's the part that scared the heck out of me because, you know, I'd never actually pitched a deal to an investor, um, you know, talk about jumping straight, straight in. And, um, but then I found that the numbers spoke for themselves, just like we keep talking about and we keep beating on. You know, I had a plan, and and my plan was to to increase the occupancy and increase the rents and lower the expenses. And if I could do that, then I could pay everyone back. And you know, people are sitting on cash. They're sitting on cash in their uh, you know the retirement accounts. They're sitting on cash in their savings accounts, and they're looking for things that can produce more money. Uh, I I personally thought had never been exposed to this. You know, and I and I found that there's so many people trying to find good deals that um, when you do find one, they get funded very, very quickly. You know, folks, we always talk on this show about the tremendous unseen opportunity in America, and it always resides between your ears or not. Uh, as as Ken is talking here, I think a lot of the reason that that in, individuals are stymied when it comes to this, they 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 can't imagine doing something like this, because they're under the impression that their personal income is going to be de- is going to be used to determine the capacity to make the payments. That's not accurate. The way you qualify for your single family home with income capacity, and the way that you qualify for with market rents, and moreover, the bank's confidence in your ability. To, to manage the property and know, and know and present the numbers are completely different. Yes, your home takes your, your ongoing income to make the payments, but the investment property doesn't work that way. And that's why, you know, it really is the opportunity that Ken is talking about was the fact that it, it, it took a lot of courage, but it was not about him having the money and certainly not about him having the personal income to be able to make those payments. It was about presenting the numbers properly based on the market rents. And that's what enabled him to do it. So this is, uh, let me ask you this. Tell me the difference between seeking bank financing versus investor financing. Uh, great question, Todd. Oh, so here's what I like to say to people. Um, I say, this is what I say. It's money, <laughs> you know, like it's just money. 
so it can be in the form of debt or it can be in the form of equity. You call it what you want, but typically debt or mortgages or loans, um, they can be from a bank or they can be individual. The only difference is what's the cost? What's the cost of the money? What's the cost of capital? And so typically bank financing is, as a, uh, you know, which we use for our new construction, for example, can be five or six percent. You know, some of the stuff I was mentioning earlier with the multifamily stuff, which we do long term uh, with two Freddie and, um, and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, you know, that's going to that's going to be in a four percent. And and if you're going to an investor they're just like you would, you're they're taking money out of something and giving it to you. Their return is going to be a little bit more. So they're going to be in the, say, seven, eight, nine, ten percent. And, you know, you you see all these these terms being thrown around like hard money or whatever. Well, you can get a hard money loan from Lehman Brothers, which I've done before, or you can get a hard money loan from, from Utah. You can get – it doesn't really matter where it comes from. It's just what's the cost. And so – and, and, like, and, can you, and can you make the numbers work, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. The numbers have to work. So you can't, you can't go out and get, you know, a high-interest loan – that um, all of a sudden puts you into a negative cash flow position. Right. That's a great point. And, and folks, what, what he's talking about when he talks about hard money lending, what he's, what he's talking about is probably the reason you're going for hard money lending is because the traditional conservative bank uh, underwriting procedures won't enable you to get the money, which means that if you're going to go elsewhere because the bank won't give you the money, you're going to have to pay a premium rate. But the idea that you have to pay 7 8 10% on the money really isn't so significant so much as if the numbers work. Because if the numbers work, inevitably you're going to pay that money off and then you're going to have that cash flow for yourself. So the numbers got to work at the end of the day and the rate where people say, well, that's ridiculous. I'd never pay that amount. It isn't about that. It's about whether the property can support it or not, right? Yes, Todd. I'll give you the greatest example. When we go buy, we you know we build properties, and so we have um, we have about a thousand units under construction right now. So when we buy a piece of land, the bank is there's no income, so the bank's going, well, you know, show us the plan. So we show them the plan, and they say, okay, we'll give you a construction loan. The rate is high higher than it would be if it was a stabilized property that had tenants in it. The reason it's high is because there's more risk to the bank. There's more risk to me, too. And, and new property from the ground up is always the riskiest for you and the bank, right? Yeah, exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's why that capital is priced higher. Then, you know, so for me, I'm trying to build it as fast as I can. I'm put, trying to put people in there as fast as I can. And once I, what I quote, stabilize, which means that I'm at, say, 90% occupancy, then I take that whole package of people, the expenses, the income, the rents, everything, and I bring it to the bank, and I say, okay, bank, I am, now I'm not as risky as I was when it was a vacant piece of land, and they give me another loan for less interest rate, and that's a cash-out refi. There you go. And 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 that said, it's going to take you on a on a on a sticks in the ground new build. It's going to take you 3 to 4 years to get to stabilization. And when you do, no bank is going to give you financing until you're at at least that 90% occupancy rate, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you got to look at it from the bank standpoint always. You know, a, a vacant piece of land is risky for a bank. 
um, a, a, a property that has 200 people in it is way less risky that has, you know, year leases. And so, you know, so the bank's saying, hey, we, we like that kind of, they're investing in you and the project. And, and you made a very good point earlier. The bank is looking, you know, you're, we're talking about a mortgage payment that's $100,000 a month. And that sounds like a lot, and it is a lot, but not when you're collecting 250000 a month, you know. And so all of a sudden the bank is saying, hey, this is a business that's collecting $250,000 a month. We can lend against that. And they, they secure, their loan is secured against the property. That's why they look to the property to pay back the mortgage, not you individually. Yeah, it's interesting, folks. You know, I met with a group of bankers uh, recently from uh, a great local bank here, BMO Harris. And I was meeting with, with bankers who, who invest in businesses and real estate, but they typically don't invest in less than 50 to $100 million. And the irony is <clears throat> for the individual investor, if they know their numbers, it is sometimes easier for them to get financing on a $100 million property than it is to buy a million dollar property for themselves. That's the irony of it all. So, you know, you've got to become adept at, at, at understanding what everybody's looking for. Now, I want to ask you just one last thing before we go to our last break here, Ken. What is the average investor looking for in terms of return? And then when we come back, I'm going to ask you to tell us how you structure these deals with the investors to attract them. Sure. Yeah, well, so my experience so far has been that, again, people are pulling money out of somewhere. They're pulling it out of a business, out of a stock market, out of savings. So they're looking for a return. And our average investor returns on a cash-on-cash basis are somewhere between 6 and 8%. There you go, folks. So the question always is, is this a good investment? I don't know, compared to what? So when you look at a 7% return, cash-on-cash return, which, of course, can be done because of the leverage of the debt and all of those things, well, that's not outrageous. That's not over the top. But there's value in doing that for the investor, and Ken is going to explain that when we come back from our break. Enormous benefit for the investor. Uh, Ken's information is at KenMcElroy.com. That's K-E-N-M-C-E-L-R-O-Y.com and MCCompanies.com. We're going to take a break and be right back with national real estate guru Ken McElroy. We'll be right back. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. 
started. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels & Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota. You're guaranteed to make the smart choice. Call today for your free estimate. 877-SMA-TODAY or go online to sma2day.com Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Home Rental Systems is in need of homes, townhomes, and condos to rent in the Twin Cities metro area. Home Rental Systems is a professional Twin Cities residential property management company and has corporate relocation clients looking for exceptional homes to lease. Long and short-term leases needed. For your free rental analysis, go to homerentalsystems.com. That's homerentalsystems.com or call Mark at 612-701-4375. Again, that's 612-701-4375. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back, everybody. Kenny, you getting the sense that I like ACDC? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a good reason to be on the show. I'm telling you, man. All right. So I, 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 I think I think one thing to make to make a point of before we roll into how you structure your deals is that when you are able to put these deals together, deals begin to come to you, and you have a team of people who help you. But you you bring up something that I've been involved with in a, in a big way, and I want you to just briefly touch on this, which is bank-owned distressed properties. When you're someone who is looked upon in your community and in the banking industry as somebody who can make a property work where others have failed, the banks will, will sometimes come to you with those properties and those opportunities. Is that true? That's so true, Todd. I, I would say, well, first of all, um, banks are not supposed to own real estate. And when they do, it actually hurts the bank, you know, as they're getting rated. So banks like to move, the banks do take loans back and they do take properties back and they like to move them out. So people would need to understand that the, the bank is, does not want to do that again. So they're, they're, they always are looking for the team. And, you know, if, if we give this property, you know, at a deep discount to somebody, are, you know, are we going to get it back? And, and so, yes, yeah, so they're always, what they're looking for is, you know, can this team pull this off if we give them the property? So bank, just to be clear, folks, 
Bank-owned property, real estate owned by the bank, REO properties, are looked upon as a liability on the bank's books. They want to get rid of them as fast as they can. Ken, how do you distinguish yourself as someone whom the banks can call on when they find themselves in that position? Well, I bought some of these, as you know, and I'll give you a couple uh, uh a couple. Of, I'll give you one great example. And, and so we were buying a property in San Antonio. I still own it. And I think it was about 2009. And this property, it was a big one. It was like 750 units. And it was 50% vacant. And so you can imagine that was a bank-owned and a mess. You know? And then of the, say, you know, 375 people that were living there, Probably only 250 should have been. So, so really, there's like we had like a 500 person problem inside of there. Plus, there's all this deferred maintenance and all this work, and it was owned by Bank of America. Well, this bank did not know who I was, Todd, because yeah, I'm in Scottsdale. You know, so we went to them and we said, "Hey, we'll we would like to buy this property, and here's how we're going to fix it and repair it." Now. The interesting thing, Todd, is that the there's no one that's going to loan on that because you only got really half the property full. It doesn't pay a mortgage. And so this is now the bank's actually loaning you the money to take a property from them. Well, these people did not know me from Adam. So so they that's when they started saying, okay, what properties have you done? What's your experience? Who's your team? Have you got your numbers together? How are you going to pull this off? All those kinds of things. So the bank actually does the homework on you and your team before they say yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I think we, it just brings us back to this whole thing. It's always about the numbers and knowing your numbers backwards and forwards. So no one gets to be in this industry and be effective, effective if they don't become a financial person uh, to that to that degree, because that's really it's not a sales pitch. That's how you present the opportunity. And that's how you how you get people on board, because at the end of the day, all they're all looking for return on investment. Right. That's right. Now, in this particular case, you can you know what people don't often talk about is you can imagine what that did to the neighborhood. You, you know, that property. 50% vacant, deferred maintenance. It had a fire. It had some flooding issues. It had all kinds of stuff. And by the way, the people automatically, their head goes to, oh, my gosh, why would, why would you buy anything like that? This property was in an incredible neighborhood right next to USAA Insurance in San Antonio in a high-end area. But what happened is the, the operator before had run this thing into the ground. And so not only are you getting this great deal, now, yes, it has complexities, and yes, there's a, a lot of work to do, but you're improving the entire neighborhood. And we bought that thing, I think, um, you know, with debt and equity, we were in it for around $25 million bucks. And that thing today, we refinanced out at $42 million, and that <laughs> thing today is, is worth over fifty. Wow. And so we now own the property. It, it generates over a million in cash flow. And and we don't and we got all our equity back once we refinanced it and fixed it and so so people are always looking for deals that are amazing you know there's you know with a tenant in it and all that stuff and I believe it or not I'm looking for the opposite I'm looking for the problems 
because that's where I'm creating value for myself and my investors. That's the opportunity. So so for the investor, and, and I forgive me, Ken, I, so much I'd love to talk to you about. We don't have that much time left. But tell me, uh, tell me how you structure a deal uh, with a, with an investor. What's the what's the formula? What do they get? What do you get? How's that work? Yeah, well, it depends on the investor. So what I mean by that is I've done deals with Lehman Brothers, and uh, you know they want a lot more than the typical you know give me a hundred thousand dollar investor. So. Uh, there's a big differentiation. So the sophistication of the investor matters. But I will tell you, on my first deal, what I did is I said, I want 10% for putting this whole thing together. I'm going to give the investors 90% of the deal. In other words, so think of it this way. 100% of the money gets 90% of the deal. Now, and, and it's really that simple. And then as you get more experience, that can move to even 50-50. So which, which is what's typical now for you, right? 50-50? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so now I'll buy a property. Uh, we just did an office building that was a big turnaround. And, and 100% of the equity got 50% of the deal. All right, folks. So listen, here's what he says. If we got a $10 million property and he needs 20% down, that's $2 million. That means he's going to go to investors. They're going to put up the $2 million. And for doing that, they're going to get 50% of the deal. And as soon as he improves the property and the operating of that property to increase its value and cash out refi, he's going to go back and pay those investors back all their money, and they're still going to be in the deal at 50%, which means now Ken, who will not participate in any cash flow until after the investors are paid back, Ken will now get 50% of the cash flow, as will the investors, after they've been paid back. And of course, as Ken said, on average, they're getting 6 to 8% while they're being paid off. So it's a heck of a win for everybody involved, right? That's exactly right, Todd. And uh, you brought up a very, very good point. I So, in other words, I take people's money. I might not even see any money out of that project for two or three years while I'm turning it around. Like on that big property that I just mentioned, there's no, you know, all the investors were getting their money first, of course, because I didn't have any investment in that. And so that any any cash flow coming out is going to the investors. And then once I can give them their money back, then that's when I can participate. So for me, it's a long-term strategy is finding broken properties, turning them around, getting investors paid back, which, by the way, is tax-free because they're refined. So they come in with the $2 million, like in your example. I'll give them that $2 million back. And it's tax-free because it's a cash-out refi. So they get their money back tax-free, and then we all participate in the cash flow later. Uh, it's it's just phenomenal. And, and, you know, the interesting point that also should be made before we take our last break is this, that that investor now gets their money back, having received 6 to 8% and now maintaining a 50% uh, you know, participation within the, within the equity and the cash flow. But here's the other problem that you got to be aware of. Now they have their money sitting idle. So Ken is a guy who is now charged with, they want to give Ken that money back so he can do it again somewhere else because the cardinal rule for any investor is don't let your money sit idle. Inflation's eating it away. I need to get that money back deployed into another deal. And so you're always looking for new deals to rotate your investors' actual dollars after you've cashed them out, right? That's exactly right. So exactly. So 
as you're as you're repositioning the property and you're going to refinance and you're putting new debt on and you know you can you can get a sense of what kind of money you're going to pull out you better be tracking another one because as you re, as you return that 2 million in your example those investors in my particular case in my experience almost 100% of them now keep in mind it's tax free almost 100% of them want to do it again because you know, the first deal, they're completely out. They got all their money back. They're still getting cash flow, and they want to keep churning it. They want to keep this, what we call the velocity of money. They want to keep rolling that money into the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. There you go. Folks, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get to the next uh, last point, uh, which is where the market is now and how you feel about it. Uh, Ken, we really don't have enough time, but listen, I hope folks you you enjoyed it. Go to KenMcElroy.com or MCCompanies.com. Get his information. It is invaluable. The opportunity in America to, uh, exists. It's all between your ears. Ken, thanks so much for being on the show. My pleasure, anytime. Outstanding. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the snow. Rental Systems is in need of homes, townhomes, and condos to rent in the Twin Cities metro area. Home Rental Systems is a professional Twin Cities residential property management company and has corporate relocation clients looking for exceptional homes to lease. Long and short-term leases needed. For your free rental analysis, go to homerentalsystems.com. That's homerentalsystems.com or call Mark at 612-701-4375. Again, that's 612-701-4375. 4375. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651 651- 227 Hi, I'm with the Kimberly Naibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price, that is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. The proceeding was a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of 1500 ESPN. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, 
my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.